to Let's Get Haunted with your host, Matt Strawn and James Allen McCune. If this is your first time to listen to the podcast and you want to get right to the story, you can open up the show notes at any time. The first sentence in all caps is going to tell you the exact spot to skip to to get right to the story. Otherwise, we start each episode with about 15 minutes of talk from our personal lives in a segment we call Personal Hauntings. But you can skip that. Again, just open up the show notes, go to the very first sentence, and you will see exactly where to go. What? <laughs> that what, what? If you guys are like, what's going on? Where is Allie? And you're panicking. I feel the exact same way. We actually were supposed to record an episode together, me and Allie. And she was having like a crazy allergic reaction. I saw her on Zoom. Like her eyes looked like chameleon eyes. No. And oh my God. she had lost her voice. And the poor, poor thing was like, no, we're going to record. Like I've already drove. I've driven to the studio. I'm already there. It's fine. We're recording. And <laughs> I was just looking at her on Zoom and she could barely talk. Her voice was barely oh. coming out. And she was like, I think I have double pink eye. I just got back from urgent care. Double pink eye. <laughs> they told me there's nothing wrong with me but i'm gonna go back there you know how she is she's just i love a leo yes yeah yeah, exactly so after we recorded 15 minutes of an intro she was like you know what i don't think we can get through this episode so how about you just do this with jamie because we both live in atlanta now so those of you who are like who the fuck is this james allen McCune has been on the show before the episode with the sanford witch yes yeah. Yes. And it was fucking hilarious. You guys might know him as the star of the Blair Witch movie. Yes, the one that was on the big fucking screen. <laughs> also, the extremely popular television show, The Walking Dead, and the internet web series where we met, Sugar Pine 7. He's a documentary filmmaker now and just finished a musical theater run. So welcome to the show. Big time fan. Um, excited to see you again. <laughs> it's good to Thank see you Thank you for too. coming. Just two Geminis doing what we do best. I am so excited you have no idea i was just telling that behind behind the mic this is like my favorite podcast i lose it every week this gets released i'm so excited <laughs> oh my god i i'm just so excited to be doing this with you honestly everyone who listens to the show knows that Alyssa is like the glue that holds everything together and so i'm kind of like can i do this without her like i don't know so i'm like a little scared but you are like a hardened performance theater like show must go on type so I feel like you're going to be able to help me through this which you already have this setup in your room that we're recording on is like nicer than our (laughs) studio in LA so thank you so much for hosting oh thank you no I it's an honor I hope I do you proud it was it's more haphazardly thrown together than it might seem at times well I'm impressed and I feel like this is just par for the course for me. Like, hey, I, I need help recording a podcast. Can you can you do it for me? And then also I'll just show up to your house and like invite myself in. And, and I mean and... it. Please come by anytime. Okay. I, I really want to keep doing this. <laughs> this Good. is uh, so much fun for me. Good. Yeah. So maybe we'll make some Patreon content or something. That'd but I was just going to like run the show as usual and just pretend that like you're an alternate version of Allie. So I guess. I wish. I'll do my best. Yeah, I guess we can just start the show with some personal hauntings do you have any personal hauntings that are going on in your own personal life anything you want to share with the audience the haunties I have I've had a very haunted life the last few years I'm still I'm still sort of like de-haunting my I'm, right. I'm saging the house on a regular basis <laughs> 
But I I recently have a fascination with Helen, Georgia. I don't know if you've been there. Okay, wait. I've been to Helen, and that's where the Sasquatch stuff is, right? So, tons. So much Sasquatch yes, stuff. Yes, and it's like a fake Bavarian town in the middle of Georgia. Mm-hmm. It has no connection to any like Eastern European <laughs> settlers or anything. It's just a bunch of rich people who thought it'd be cute to wear, make a bunch of people wear lederhosen for minimum wage (laughs) yeah it's like a it's like a disneyland without the benefits or the perks i think and Uh, the same pricing yeah it's weird but it is such a fun cute little village it's it's a proper village too like it's definitely got its problems (laughs) it's a weird joint but i have so much fun visiting over there so wait do you go there often recently i have i went up there not too long ago and then then this weekend my dad needed an emergency mental health uh, trip with with me so we went actually I just got back today. We, oh. we went up there and, and stayed the night. And oh my walked. god, you fucking stayed the night in Helen. Yeah. Where did you stay? The, I just such... hold on. I just need to explain Helen because I feel like people are not going to understand. Yeah, you really have to see it. Google it's, it. It's yeah, Google it. It's a fake Bavarian town. Like it looks like somewhere in the Alps, and it's legit like a Bavarian town in the middle of fucking nowhere, mm-hmm. Georgia. And a lot of the people who work there that I saw when I was there, perhaps this is just a gross. Uh, generalization they had like the energy of like carnies like seasonal (laughs) carnival workers I'm a carny myself Uh, exactly Exactly. Uh, (laughs) but you're not wrong but yeah you know what I mean and so um it's just a very kind of like the Ren Fair or something, like a traveling thing. Absolutely. Except it does, but it doesn't travel. It's just there all the time. They do. They do like festival stuff. I know it's a it's a big party joint for a lot of uh, from Hicks to like the the rich weirdos up in the the hills. So it's it's got the strangest vibes. The yes. whole place is so odd. Yeah, and you it's know so it's weird. stolen land. So it's just. <laughs> tainted with blood and just right. com- completely whimsical in the most strange way. So wait, you stayed there though? Because mm-hmm. like every place that I saw there was like, you might get murdered if you were to stay here. Yeah, I think that's that's not wrong either. <laughs> it's it's a little weird. It's a little kitschy. We stayed in a very, like it was it was like a Wyndham. It wasn't, it wasn't okay. anything like- uh, Right, we, we corporate. Wanted to, yeah, <laughs> we wanted to look at a, um, a cabin or something, but they don't have Wi-Fi over there. My dad couldn't handle that. So it was <laughs> it was a trip to just a very kitschy little typical motel. Oh, nice. But the thing that was haunted about it, first, first of all, I think there's probably ghosts just it's <laughs> filthy with them, I'm sure of it. Yes. But there's a particular place that like if you're in town or if you ever visit Helen, please go here. It's called Babyland. It's the Cabbage Patch headquarters. So what? do you remember Cabbage Patch? Dolls? Yeah, of course. But like what what do you mean Babyland? This is the most haunted I have I've took I've taken footage like when we walked in I was like I have to get this over to Nat and Allie it is the creepiest strangest place that it's literally just called Babyland and they have a huge actually here I'm gonna show it to you yeah I need to see pictures this is in Georgia it's on the way into Helen so Cabbage Patch Kids do they still probably don't make those anymore they They, do they They are handmade They're handmade. They're what handmade the fuck? Okay, it, it's it repeats. Oh, this times. is weird. Yeah, it's on. Oh a my plantation. god, this is not what I expected. Yeah. Okay, so I'm looking at what looks like a southern plantation, yeah. like with the columns, that Greek revival style, and then just to make it even more weird and more reminiscent of a time most of us would like to forget, <laughs> there are old like Civil War banners yeah. hanging across it of like the American flag colors, like they would hang from plantations during 4th of July. Mm-hmm. It's weird because like you would think if it's going to be a fucking Cabbage Patch land, it would be like Cabbage Patch themed. Oh. But it's it's not. It's like old plantation. Yeah. 
It's a well. When you get closer, you see the Cabbage Patch theme. There are seven foot in diameter stone statues of baby heads poking out of cabbage. Oh, when you what get the fuck? It's so <laughs> fucking spooky. And we we walked in, and the walls are absolutely littered with headshots that are signed from all A listers from from the early 1900s to recently, like like Michael Jackson and uh, Dino, and like everybody back in the days. Musicians mostly, a lot of actors too. What 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 is there to do there? You, you get the whole Babyland experience. You walk in, you see all of these these headshots that are all addressed to the same dude. His name is Xander, I think. And it's, it's this is giving cult vibes. It feels like it. It's it's a really <laughs> disturbing environment. That, it doesn't feel safe emotionally. I did not have a lot of peace walking into that joint. But you walk in, and there are a bunch of little old ladies that are all wearing genuine scrubs and aprons, like they're in a hospital. What and you can the see fuck? like the history of Cabbage Patch oh, Babies. Wait. Everywhere. Because the Cabbage Patch babies are being born. So it's like they're in a hospital wearing scrubs. And there's apparently a knitting circle of old ladies that sit around and like hand make these Cabbage Patch dolls. And the lady showed us around. There are uh, original Andy Warhols specifically made out to Xander uh, that are just baby faces and stuff. Like there's real art throughout the whole. It's the most confounding position I've ever been in standing in that place. (laughs) Because why the fuck is it this way? This this guy, whoever Xander is, he is... must have been one of the secret Illuminati That's or something. That's what I was just thinking. I was like, is this fucked up for me to like judge these people? I don't know. Maybe they've like lost children or something. <laughs> so they're like attacked. Oh, no, not the customer. Yeah, no. I It's it's a little sweet, but in a way that is only familiar if you've ever looked through any antique store and seen a bunch of the like cute trinkets and tchotchkes that ended up being like horribly racist or something. Right. It's like there's something underneath here that feels wrong. Right. You can't put your finger on it when you walk in. There's it, a dirty secret, but you yeah. just don't know what it is. It's like Xander's, what, what is that man doing? But you walk in, there's babies everywhere. They, they scale, they're like hundreds of dollars. These are crazy expensive dolls. And you walk into the main room and there is a huge tree with like fairies hanging off of it and a bunch of cabbages surrounding the base and the roots of the tree. And there's a lady who is not being paid enough to give a performance <laughs> about a birthing a baby from the cabbages that are going out of these trees. Oh, and wow. it's a whole show of her just being like, it's crowning, we're three diameters and, and, and suddenly oh pulling God. a baby out of the ground. What the fuck? And then, so they did the whole spiel. There's like a whole thing where they're like, what should we name it? It's me, somebody else, and then like two elderly uh, groups <laughs> that are barely cognizant. <laughs> but reminiscing about something that I don't want to know about. There's this whole performance she does and when she's done she walks over to this room with a huge window in it and everybody leaves but we go over to the window and she's putting on another performance that nobody can see because it's in the corner (laughs) of the room. She's like giving an x-ray to this baby and giving it shots. The one that was just born from the cabbage? Just born. Freshly born baby and... She did the whole rigmarole and then she leaves the room and slams it behind her and goes, it just keeps walking. It was the most like aggressive. I'm done. I don't want to fucking play with dolls anymore. Walk. It was so funny. Oh my God. And they have a room dedicated to Christmas. I can't understand. No babies in there. How did you find out about this place? Because this is like fascinating. I feel like we should do an episode about this. I I honestly want to do a documentary about who the fuck these people are. What is, and there was a spiral staircase that led up to a second floor. We weren't allowed in and I gotta know what's up there. Right. I have to know. Yeah. It's interesting. I enjoyed it, but only because this is happening. If I had kept this inside and had no one to talk to... (laughs) 
<laughs> I think it would have rotted me slowly inside out. It's a weird environment. Oh, I forgot you were also on the episode we did about the Georgia Guidestones yeah. as well. Okay, so This is I, my thing. I want to go to all the weirdest yeah, shit in town. Yeah, I feel like you have opened up some weird places in Georgia for a lot of people. And I'm excited now that I live here. Like, maybe I can go. Well, we found out that the Georgia Guidestones were, like, from these racist guys. Yeah. Isn't so, it always? I know. It was a bummer. It's always some xenophobic bullshit that's <sighs> trying to be secret, but is really just eugenics. I really, yeah. I really wanted it to be, like, fairies were meeting there and, like, casting things at night. Like but an it was alien <laughs> Yeah. So that one's gone. Yeah. Uh, it literally blew up and is gone now. But that's wild to me. <laughs> it's so wild while that they actually blew that shit up do you think it was that um that politician who was like i'm here to destroy the stones like that i mean, remember her? <laughs> yes <laughs> she was like yes bound and determined to destroy i them. feel like i would respect a politician more if they literally if they did what they up. said <laughs> yeah, they were gonna yeah. do like that you know literally just follow through on your word if you're right. going to if you're going to talk about it do it yeah yeah that's yeah. how i feel about it but i really want to go to some of these haunted places in georgia to. now it's a really interesting experience i don't necessarily recommend it but I think you should go <laughs> well I feel like my personal haunting is like not that good now okay that was my question what, what's going on with you so my personal haunting let me open this up my text this is like such a lame personal haunting it was not interesting compared to what you just said but <laughs> I don't know that's interesting but, it but was there. it's the only thing I can think about my aunt <laughs> this is so stupid guys my aunt texted me and my family in a group chat today and she found this chameleon walking on her street oh oh and i'm showing a picture bitch. of it to jb yeah it's like it's a fucking gigantic chameleon like oh probably it's like a foot long yeah like a foot long so it was about to get run over by cars mm. so it was actually my cousin that found it my cousin found it while he was going to visit my aunt and he puts it in a box and he brings it to my aunt it's now like a whole thing she put it in this bird cage i'm looking at the the creature and it's just the craziest looking thing i don't know where i'll have to put these pictures and videos on the reddit or something it's really pretty maybe i'll put them in the instagram drop for this but yeah so then we were all talking about like oh my gosh like this chameleon like what are we gonna do with it then my aunt who god bless her soul mm -hmm, she mm -hmm. decides that this chameleon looks unhappy in the cage and so she's just gonna open up the gate for like a second okay. to let it go out and just like you know walk in the grass and whatever. Oh, okay. She put a leash on it. No, no. She <laughs> opens up the cage to this bird cage and the chameleon like sprints out like okay, a thousand yeah. miles an hour <laughs> straight up a tree and then like camouflages itself and, oh my and we, no one can find it anymore. You never know what life will bring. Exactly. And so I was like, you know what? I don't know what this means. I don't know if this is relevant. I don't know if this is a good story to tell in the podcast or not, but I'm a really big fan of like omens and signs yes, and same, same. yes a couple days ago I saw right before this like horse competition I just went to I saw this wild turkey in the wild and they're like a sign of abundance and this could just also be me like someone who's been in the city in LA for like the past 11 years like oh wow I saw a bird it means yeah. something but it probably doesn't there's just fucking birds Who places knows? I like the more whimsical thought if I can help it what does that mean guys what does it mean when you see like a pet chameleon like there's no this is like a from Africa or mm. wherever they are, chameleons walking around. It's about to get hit by cars. Someone picks it up, brings it in for refuge, whatever, gives it fruit, whatever the fuck it eats, and then it goes out and goes free back into the wild again. It's a sign of freedom. It's a sign of freedom. Like, yeah. is it just like. 
Or maybe it's about blending in something about that because they're always changing their colors. Right. Maybe it's about knowing when to stand out. Like when you're about to get hit by a car. When the door's cracked open. You need to be like rainbow beautiful. Yeah. And then like win the trust. Like, oh, yeah, look at me. Like I just walk slow and I'm interesting. If you Mm -hmm. open the door, I'm not going to like run 50 miles an hour. That's what I put on my Tinder bio. (laughs) Yeah, you guys. So uh, let me know. Sorry about these personal hauntings on my end. Not that interesting. <laughs> don't um, apologize for your life. It's perfect. That's but, really fun. Yeah, I don't know. I like that stuff because in the South, we have the old wives tale about the cardinals. You know that one? What's that? So when you see a red cardinal, that is an old Southern um, Southernism that uh, says that it is a visiting ancestor or loved one who's passed. What? Yeah, yeah. Wait, we have so many cardinals by my house. What's it's even better about them is you'll always see like art of two cardinals all just being romantic and enjoying yeah. the time. It's on it's on all sorts of uh dishes and stuff. It's it's one of those southern things that's just everywhere when you see it. Oh my god. But cardinals are only red if they're male. So there's just pictures of gay cardinals all <laughs> over the south. <laughs> Yeah, I knew that. I knew only the red ones were male, but I did never think of that. It's like, you're right. When when you see an artistic rendition of a cardinal, it's usually like nuzzled up against yeah. another red cardinal. But mm-hmm. yeah, so those are just. That's a, so that's supposed to be like a like a, a visitor, somebody from from oh. the veil. I, I had a cat pass recently and seeing like the seeing the cardinals outside. I always like whistle the song I used to sing to it oh. and stuff. It's really it's cute. It's nice. Those old that's things. sweet. I love these like little southern secrets you guys have. There's some nice things from the south every <laughs> once in a while. Not not most. Well, <laughs> so maybe you can provide some insight on the story that we're going to talk about today because I can't fucking wait. It's a real doozy. I'm excited to get into it with you. So I got pretty distracted when I was researching this story because it's set in 1876. So just keep that in mind, guys. 1876. <clears throat> I couldn't even make a guess about what life was like back then. Well, I'm so glad you said that because chapter one is life in 1876. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? Please inform me. 1876. It was a year of great lasting change for North America, having seen both the tail end of the bloody American Civil War and the current violence of what was referred to at the time as the Indian Wars. But through the rubble of destruction, glimmers of hope shone through. The magic of Alexander Graham Bell's newest invention, the telephone, and writing of the official first rules of American football, both products of 1876, foretold a future nation more connected than ever before. As the previously war-torn country pieced itself back together anew, an emphasis on the improvement of self was the greater theme of the decade. The same year both Johns Hopkins University and Texas A&M University were born. Young America had known much bloodshed in her short life. It had only been 100 years since she declared independence from England. In an effort of great patriotism to honor that anniversary of independence, from May 10th to November 10th, 1876, a centennial exhibition was held. Over 285 acres in Philadelphia's Fairmount Park were utilized for the fair. Almost 10 million people traveled by railroad, carriage, or foot to see vendors from more than 37 nations participating in what was officially titled the International Exhibition of Arts, Manufactures, and Products of the Soil and Mine. Catchy. Never before had patrons been able to access commodities from so many countries in one place. It was a both unifying and expanding event for young America. 
1876, although celebratory in nature, was not without controversy. The country was technically reunited, however, only two years prior, slavery had been abolished by federal decree with varying degrees of success. Many southern states reluctantly freed their slaves, and some states ignored the decree altogether, refusing to alert their slaves to the news. Texas was the last state in the Confederacy to free its enslaved people on June 19, 1865, and although Juneteenth was two years before our story takes place, 1876 was a year the past held a heavy grip on. The 1876 election had been the most divisive in U.S. history. Following the results were allegations of voter fraud and a rigged election. When Rutherford B. Hayes was finally declared U.S. president, the country was divided on whether or not it had been a fair process. A new vote count system was put in place because of the Hayes-Tilden election of 1876. Perfectly demonstrating this chaos of 1876 was the plot to rob Lincoln's tomb. Mysteriously, the same night Hayes was sworn into the presidency, a plot was in place to grave rob the tomb of deceased President Abraham Lincoln. The grave robbers had intended to take the 11-year-old corpse of Abraham Lincoln for ransom. In exchange for Lincoln's body, the robbers planned to negotiate release of their friend from prison, along with an additional payout of $200,000. However, the night the robbers entered the tomb, armed detectives were there to meet them. The plot to steal Lincoln's body led to the temporary reburial of Lincoln in a shallow, unmarked grave. Today, Lincoln is buried in a steel cage, encased in concrete to deter grave robbers alike. In total, 1876 was a year caught between an age of rebellion and a dawning of reconstruction. Yes, outlaws on horseback still roamed, but the majority of the population thought they really ought not to. Change permits the sands of time to fall in abstract ways. Mm. The future had already happened threatening to change the past American way of life many had come to know. And then um, I just, I wrote, here are some really fucked up pictures that I have to go along with this fluff piece (laughs) intro that I I, I just never had seen before. And I love these like old timey pictures because they just really put things in perspective. If you guys want to see any of these pictures, you can go to our Instagram at Let's Get Haunted to see all of the photos that go along with this episode. So this first picture is um, of Rutherford B. Hayes being sworn into the presidency in 1877. And you can look at that picture. Oh, beautiful. I can't believe this is an insane amount of people what go ahead and describe that picture for our visual impaired listeners so i'm looking at the front of is this the white house or the um i think it was the white house is that where it is Mm -hmm. there are columns and flags hanging from places it's it's like a costco samples line (laughs) everybody's just glued together shoulder to shoulder From top to bottom, it's two levels. And honestly, the stars on these flags are not very neat. I know. It looks like super just handmade. It looks like I drew it. Yeah. (laughs) It's really wild. It's just an insane amount of people, most of them wearing hats. You know, all of them look like they could use a hug. (laughs) They probably could. When I was looking into like, what was 1876 like? Because I don't know. Like, it's a weird, it was a weird time. Like, there were toilets that flushed, but then there was also like people like pooping in bedpans or something it it was just like a weird time and so i was trying to figure out like 
what was really going on. So I wrote that like fluff piece of all the interesting things I found out about 1876. But do you think there was anything in there that like stuck out to you? First of all, it's really interesting how easily we take for granted the connective tissue of the internet right Mm -hmm. now and the way that the world is sort of at our fingertips immediately like this. The fact that the slaves were, that information was withheld from them it's so obvious of course they did this but it's right. it's crazy to think now like we would be informed on twitter immediately within seconds before right. before news channels right. would hear about it yeah there was a lot of like illiteracy that was going into that as well like right. so i remember reading a story about the decree being held up like someone came like a federal whatever person like fancy person came out and was like you know the president says that the slaves are freed by this order of whatever and the trumpet decree exactly and the plantation owners were like, get the fuck out of here. You will pass the news along. Bye. And wow. then they just didn't. That's heinous. That's what happened in Texas. Yeah. So interesting. And then I thought that that exhibition that happened where 10 fucking million people I came. I can't fathom what that would look like. I don't. Well, I couldn't either. And so then I found this old, these two old images from 1876 photos that were taken here of that exhibition. One of them is, it, I, I don't know how to describe the exhibition hall. It looks like, it looks like a like a giant like indoor greenhouse almost it's like an airplane hangar yes it's gigantic with all glass windows in the ceiling yeah Im- imagine like a warehouse or an airplane hangar really tall ceilings and then inside there's a bunch of different booths and one of those booths says nebraska and then it just has like a bunch of pictures of nebraska and it's like this is what our wheat is like this is what things we can grow it's just interesting you know because back then it would be like a luxury like oh wow i live in iowa and i've always wanted what California's wheat tastes like or right oh wow an orange like we don't grow that in uh you know whatever fucking cold ass place I'm in but these people from Florida have oranges I'd love to try one you know what I mean it was this just is fast another thing we take for granted just grocery stores having food from, from right. across the country this is really interesting I wonder if there was any thrill in seeing just people that they weren't familiar with right. I, I always think about this whenever I have dreams I'm always I'm always like really focused on my dreams. I wake up every morning and record it in a voice note oh. so I can, don't forget. It's really interesting. Everyone should try it because you you forget stuff within yeah. seconds of waking up. I try to. Yeah, you should give it a shot. <laughs> it's really interesting. You try to. But I always think about like okay, there are people who I recognize who keep repeating in my dreams, and they have a, a specific meaning to me uh, right. within my life. You know, whether somebody's about friendship or somebody's about love, or you know what yeah. I mean. Like you, you see the repeating characters in your dreams, but sometimes there are so many faces and people that they could be that Mm. I just don't know what they represent but I always think about people who are in villages back in the day like the 1800s maybe they only saw like 20 people max a week or whatever they probably knew exactly what they were dreaming about there's probably the same faces in their dreams at all times right they're like that bitch up the street with the pitchfork (laughs) I just get overwhelmed sometimes thinking about all of the people that exist in the world today and then all of the people that have come and died already and all of the people that will come and be reborn it's like what do you call that it's like claustrophobia but like with knowing that i am in a place i can't escape called life what is that the wheel of samsara <laughs> the wheel of suffering. Okay, yes, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy feeling. This last thing I was going to talk about was that election was like apparently a big deal, and people thought it was like fake or whatever. So there's this map here that shows how different states voted, and oh. it's it's kind of interesting because <sighs> right because Democrat and Republican switched. Right, it's like kind of similar to what the states are now. Like, Isn't that haunting? 
interesting. It's it we it's weird. Like we're all just on a fucking pattern loop forever. I can't, I can't get over the fact that like I mean s- since the the before BC back in back in the day like yeah. way back in in uh, biblical times. The same brains we have right now, right. Uh, operationally no different. Like we all kind of operate, right, very similarly. And it's we want more gold for our beans, and we want less syphilis. <laughs> just, just less. Not as not entire. <laughs> Don't get rid of it or nothing. Just, just not as much as we have right now. <laughs> okay, so obviously all that's really interesting, but for some reason I was most interested in what like hygiene from this period is I like. I was thinking about that. How often they shower back then? What that hall smell like? Yeah, bad. So, <laughs> so apparently going to the bathroom in 1876 was very haunted. Like indoor plumbing existed for some people, but according to the sources that I read, for most of the Victorian age, indoor bathrooms as we consider them and call them just didn't exist like the richest most wealthy people had indoor plumbing like that so then they would build these really elaborate bathrooms with like, these awesome porcelain sinks that looked like dolphins or shells and had like these amazing artwork on them and everything in the bathroom was made to look like like a piece of art it was not about sanitary at all it was like wow you can afford to put the shitter in the house yeah like you know it was like having a lambo parked in your front yard <laughs> right so they really did up these bathrooms and they look really glamorous but sewer gas at that time was a real threat like they didn't a threat a threat like there would be what was called unfortunate back pressure methane gas explosions <gasps> They were so common that double doors were installed between the bathroom and main living areas to prevent odor from going into the main house. And then also if there was some sort of explosion to prevent unsanitary materials oh from entering the home. God. So the majority of people, even though they were like, well, that's that's cool. They, they were like, I'm just going to stick with this chamber pot and like my outhouse to like walk outside to. I guess it's kind of like, like, OK, this is probably like how I feel about these fucking commercial space flights that are happening now. Oh, yeah. I'm like, why would you risk that? Like, yes, it's cool. It's available. To, it's there. The likelihood of you suffering a, a crazy, unpredictable death by going on one of these primitive commercial space flights is so high. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just like, why would you do it? And I get it. I get it. It's like, cool. It's new. And it's like, oh, you know, we can fly, but we haven't flown in space. And I want to feel what no gravity is like. And maybe that's what it was like to like take a shit in a toilet inside. <laughs> you know? I feel like it's a better story to die that way than to be exploded by doo-doo stink <laughs> but I, I yeah that's funny that those are on the same page <laughs> i i have some pictures that i found of a victorian toilet wow, there look at her okay it's beautiful right it really is though i'm looking at a picture of a porcelain pot with a lot of really beautiful uh, what would you call this? Like Fleur de Lis, like yeah. like it looks like um, you know, in Pirates of the Caribbean, the this is very Pirates the of the Caribbean. cutlery, yeah, that would be supplied on the ship that Kira Knightley is on, on like the the Royal British ship, not the Black Pearl, mm-hmm. um, because I don't think they even had cutlery, but you know, like real fancy shit that you would find in like a treasure chest under the sea. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's it's a very floral, hand drawn blue ink on porcelain and it's it's this sturdy can with a flimsy looking wood yeah. seat on it for some reason yeah it's really lo- i mean it's elegant 
I'm very oh, and then if you look at the top of the picture, you can see another. I guess it's like the water basin. Is yes. Also... So the toilets, uh, like the very first flushing indoor toilets, they... a chandelier in the bathroom. You ain't need that. <laughs> they all have that. I don't even know what you call it, like a water closet where like the basin is up. Yeah, it's way up. It's way up. It's like it's like above your head, and it's like a chain. You pull it. Mm. Back in the day, the ceilings were so high because heating and air conditioning wasn't a thing. So really? all I didn't of the know heat. That would go to the the top i remember because when i was doing not not to name drop when i was doing the walking dead we were shooting in the watley house which was this really really old southern home and the ceilings were like 14 feet high or something i remember asking her the lady who owned the house and she was like well when you don't have heating or air conditioning all of the heat will just go to the top and so you end up with like a a very stable temperature throughout the house it's like low ceilings are pretty recent wow what a cultured person we've brought on our show here so there's there's the fact that you should never bring up again because people will sleep <laughs> but there's some interesting architecture facts for you. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you. I It'll appreciate be $5. That. So here is a picture of a chamber pot. I didn't know this, but like Victorians would get, like when people got married, it was a common present to gift the new couple a chamber pot. And that one has a little poem on there. If you scroll down, you can read it. This pot is a present scent. So mirth to make is only mint. <laughs> Mirth is a fun word for it. (laughs) We hope the same you'll not refuse, but keep it safe and oft it use. When in it you will want to piss... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just seeing piss in such a, in, in like a haiku is so funny to me when in it you want to piss remember them who sent you this <laughs> that's sweet think of me when you take a piss i like i but i was still so interested in this and i could not find any more information like i don't get it because so people will just take a shit in this chamber pot and then throw it out their window it's got to be the way they did it why not just stick your ass out the window like i don't <laughs> I don't just cut I out the middle really, man. I really don't like the idea of like squatting in a pot in your house it also like looks in front like of your porcelain. So it's like if it broke, it would cut your cheek all the way off. It's <laughs> a strange thing to put all your trust in. Yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. But it's also the art on that is it's pretty heinous. I don't know. I mean, you know, I guess it's worth taking a shit on if it doesn't look good, but uh... Well, it's like a man that's on the very bottom that's coming out and he has his like hands presented and there's like little speech bubbles that are like, oh, "Hello, how do you do?" or something. I don't know. Wait, what? I can't read what it says. But then there's a frog. There's a brown I saw that. ceramic frog stuck to the side that looks in the context of what this might be used for looks like kind of sus yep and i'm like is that i thought it was used at first right like what the why put the frog you're gonna have to clean that frog right you have to clean that frog right but why why put i don't get this (laughs) i don't i don't get this i don't understand it either is anyone else just fascinated by like old-timey hygiene Yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated with hygiene now. <laughs> I got like way too sidetracked on this episode just learning about 1876. Those cans are fascinating to me. I could have a whole podcast episode about them. So all of this backstory of what life was like in 1876 was just to bring some sort of context and perhaps some closure to an event which has neither. Mm. just want to put a slight disclaimer on chapter two, which is the title we're about to talk about. Jamie does not know the title we're about to talk about. This was happened in 1876. I was not there. So I'm going to do a little historical reenactment that is based off of true events. Some of the sources that I read differ on the details. So I've included the most often cited details in addition 
to the details, which were less often cited. I don't know how accurate this info is because it was literally 1876 and people were just trying to take a shit without exploding. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they really had the same mental capacity for fact checking and data retention that we do. Or maybe they did. But that's what I'm saying. I don't know. This was 1876. I don't fucking know. I wasn't there. So I'm going to do my best to entertain you guys. Like I said, some some of this information, the sources, I don't know how credible they are. You can click through all of them by opening up the show notes and looking at the sources. <clears throat> Chapter 2. The Kentucky Meat Shower of 1876. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> the, the meat shower? I know. It sounds, wow. okay. it sounds uh, sexual. I've had dreams like that. <laughs> 11 a.m., March 3rd, 1876, Bath County, Kentucky. It's a beautiful, clear day outside. Miss Crouch has plans to stay home on her Kentucky farm to make soap for the upcoming summer. The Victorian saponification process is a long and laborious one, but as Mrs. Crouch stands on the porch, she reasons today's mild weather is the perfect excuse to get some chores done outside before the summer heat takes over. A slight breeze bore waves in the tall grass. Miss Crouch's disposition was as clear and bright as the afternoon ahead. There is not a cloud in sight. It's a lovely day, Miss Crouch thinks as she begins cooking the lye. (laughs) (laughs) The coy chuckle really did it for me. Making soap is lengthy and requires one's full attention. As such, Miss Crouch had learned to tune out the hum of talkative insects and bird songs as she mixed together gathered herbs and spices for her project. Suddenly, a noise unlike the natural tune of spring drew her ear. Thud. It was so insignificant of a sound that Mrs. Crouch would have ignored it altogether had the first noise not been replied to by a second. Thud. What was that? Probably a branch bumping into the roof. Mrs. Crouch resisted the urge to look away from her task and confirm her suspicions, but she made a mental note of the need to trim the tree closest to the porch. But something most peculiar happened. The strange noise was met with several others just like it. Uh Uh-oh. Thud, 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 thud. Now Mrs. Crouch could no longer ignore this noise as it sounded like her preteen grandson, Alan, was throwing rocks and needed to be reprimanded before he put a hole in the roof. Typical Alan. Thud, thud, thud. Mrs. Crouch looked up from her soap with a stern brow, expecting to see Alan out in the yard hurling stones, but instead... She was shocked to see her grandson standing in the yard with empty hands, staring at the sky. Why, Grandma, it's snowing, Alan declared, wonderstruck. Thud, 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 thud. Mrs. Crouch's confident brow melted into a confused squint. How could it possibly be snowing on a sunny day in March? Mrs. Crouch mentally flipped through all of the possibilities. Was Mr. Crouch or Alan playing some sort of prank on her? But it was snowing. Large white flecks of mushy snow were falling all around the farm from above, and they were not stopping. In fact, the snow was getting heavier 
as bigger pieces of snow began falling at a pace too quick and hitting the ground too hard to be snow. Mrs. Crouch picked up a piece of snow and examined it. It wasn't snow at all, but oozing chunks of flesh. What? Pieces of raw meat were raining from above. You weren't fucking around when you said meat shower. Some were as small as a pebble. Some were as large as Mrs. Crouch's hand. The meat appeared ragged, like it had been torn from the corpse of an animal, not cut and prepared by a knife in a butcher shop. Mrs. Crouch recalled the flesh fell with a snapping noise as it struck the ground. Oh, that's so yucky. Oh, my God. The largest piece she saw was as long as her hand and half an inch wide. It looked grisly, as if it had been torn from the throat of some animal. Smaller pieces she saw looked round. She noted they were about the size of a half dollar. This meat rain lasted several minutes. Some sources say Mrs. Crouch's husband was with her watching the rain in terror, as they both feared it was a warning from God. Other sources insist that Miss Crouch was without her husband, and a thought of terror flashed across Mrs. Crouch's consciousness. Mm. Had Mr. Crouch and her son been in some sort of accident nearby, having been torn into pieces, could this meat snowfall actually be the remains of her husband and son raining upon her property? No. Mrs. Crouch looked out over the meat-strewn lawn. Thankfully... She would come to learn that this meat was not the remains of her husband and son, as they soon returned home unharmed and equally distraught at the sudden occurrence of meat thrown all over their yard. (laughs) No, it was not any sort of homicide incident, but rather something else altogether unexplainable. Knowing this was quite an unusual happening, Mrs. Crouch saved some meat for sample, but curiosity got the better of the family cat who feasted all hours of the day on heaven's flesh oh my god (laughs) that makes me so sad for the cat i don't know is that good though maybe it's good for him right just protein and meat from the sky maybe that's fine i mean maybe it was like an an omen from god yeah you know yeah what are your thoughts thus far i I would stand still and cry uh (laughs) if it were me that that's i can't i can't like the, the smell must have been so awful, especially because she was making soap and soap is usually made from fat, right? Yeah, it's like lye. And you know, what? I don't really know what lye is. I actually just I Googled either. like soap making process, Victorian soap making process, which is also in our, the sources for this episode. And then I saw a sentence about like what you should do. And I was like, all right, I'll just say like she started cooking the lye. Right. And then people won't question it and we'll, uh, we'll move past it. But no, that was the first question <laughs> that was asked of me was further details. Details about the Victorian. I don't necessarily process. want to know, but it's it's a weird it's a weird thought to think of. She could have she could have used that meat. Okay, so I had like one month when we were taking a break from the podcast right when I first moved to Atlanta, and during that month I had like a whole like cottage core phase. And I know that now there are people who think cottage core is problematic because like we shouldn't be switching out our aesthetics frequently for trends because it's like bad for the earth and consumerism and all this yeah, stuff. Wasteful. Um, Yeah, totally. That's not what I was doing. Okay, Mm -hmm. I was baking bread and drawing pictures. All right, guys, I wasn't like uh, on Pinterest buying things. Um, Pandemic activities. But one thing I did was I did read a book about 
how to be more cottage core. And one of those things was make bread. And one of those thing was make soap. But I didn't realize this making soap is like dangerous. Like if you fuck right. it up, it blows up. And that's how people make. Well, I won't say the words because I feel like we'll get censored or something. People make destructive devices using soap. That's wild. Yeah. Did you know that? No. So I, I remember like the Oklahoma City Memorial. I don't want to say the this word because I feel like it's going to get us censored. Sure. Uh, there was an attack on the homeland. Sure. <laughs> and the person who was doing it uh, was a very bad man. And he used a device that was made out of soap to uh, cause the destruction, the immediate destruction of a building in Oklahoma. Wow. Yeah. Wild. So, I don't know, just another like random tidbit that might be interesting to people. I'm learning so much. An article in the New York Times that was dated from March 9th, 1876, was searching for answers about this meat shower. Because as soon as this happened, as you could guess, this is very exciting news for, you know, a small town in Kentucky. Yeah. And uh, people at the time were so interested. So, the article reads, quote, the sky was perfectly clear at the time, and Mrs. Crouch said it felt like large snowflakes. One piece fell near Mrs. Crouch, which was three or four inches square, end quote. So this total meat shower, they measured it. It ended up covering an area that was 100 yards long and 50 yards wide. So 100 yards is like what, a football field? I was going to ask, in relation to one football field, how big is it? Yeah, I think 100 yards is a football field. Sure. So Sport. it would be the length of a football field and the width of half of a football field. Okay, okay. Okay, about the, the length of a of a high school gym. I think a gym would be smaller. Like, you know the straight on a track? That's 100 meters. Okay, okay. So it'd be that long and then half a football field long. Who, who the fuck knows? You guys, someone put a banana for scale. It's not a big area, actually. For It's no. It's it's not like as... When you compare like to a rainstorm, yeah. small. For sure. It's kind of like... You can trace back, right? Right, yeah. It's, I can't throw that far. It kind of reminds me like, you know, like in movies when someone's depressed or cartoons and like the rain only goes on them? <laughs> yeah. Is this like that sort of situation? Like the rain only went on them, but what it was What tragedy do you rain? have to go through for that rain cloud to fall over? Oh my God. I don't know. Super haunted. This farm, when this happened, this farm becomes this local sensation. There's like all these locals who are like, oh, if something's happening up the street. We got to go check it out. Like, you know, load up the wagon. Uh, the corn can wait. And they, they all, went to go see what was happening on Mrs. Crouch's farm. And so a lot of people like they're like scratching their heads, looking around and and most people are like afraid to touch it because they don't really know what it is. Right. Could it be haunted? Is this like actually an omen from God? You know, we don't know. Mm -hmm. And uh, but most people thought it was beef, but they said it was like too greasy to be beef. Out of all the people that are looking, nobody dared to taste it except for this hunter. And he takes a bite out of it. And he's like, oh, this is bear meat. Bear meat? Bear meat. And then someone sees the hunter uh, just getting attention, I guess. And then they're like, well, I want some of that too. And it was a butcher. <laughs> and the butcher was I like- I trust him. Yeah, right? I trust that butcher. Like though. what hunter just eats like raw bear meat though also? They would know what animal it's not. Was that just like- a guy trying to be impressive, like, yeah, I'm a hunter. I, I'm uh, good at tasting meat, too. <laughs> <laughs> so the butcher thinks that it is, um, it's mutton, but he also adds mutton. that the smell is unlike anything. Mutton is sheep. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he thinks it's mutton, but he's like, the smell is new. It doesn't smell like mutton. It's so new. <laughs> new sky meat. <laughs> mutton flavor. Yeah. He's like, you know, this is a new smell to me, but it's it's a mutton vibes. Yeah. This is mutton vibes. The flesh from the yard was sent to labs all around the country. And I, I say labs in like quotes, like loosely, because like 1876 mm-hmm. labs, they were trying their best, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. But like they didn't, you know, the technology wasn't there. Like one of their experiments was they literally just got a Bunsen burner and burned it. And they were like, oh, it's burning like flesh. It's So it should be flesh. <laughs> well, it seems like it's made of meat. Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> they did all these tests on it and all these scientists all over the world using the best technology at the time. They couldn't figure out what it was. All they could figure out was that, yes, it is meat. They sent it to a lab before they could find a point of origin within a football field size? Yeah, because they they didn't, there was no clouds in the sky, nothing, yeah. Wow. They were putting on their detective hats, but they couldn't figure out what it was. And there there was like a lot of people were like, well, maybe this is not even meat. Maybe it's this type of algae. Maybe there was like a tornado nearby in um, a lake that picked up a bunch of like seaweed and dropped it. Um, So some people thought that it was also something called frog spawn, which- Frog spawn. Which I guess is like the jelly gelatinous. Oh, oh, yeah. It's the little eggs, right? Stuff, yeah. Didn't that guy on TikTok release, or no, wasn't there something about this? There was a guy. Which guy on TikTok? There's a lot of them. There is some guy on TikTok who is just grabbing a whole bunch of those frog jelly beads, you know, and, and. it's saying he was like saving the frogs, but ended up releasing like a hundred million frogs out of his backyard into the wilderness or something. <laughs> Wait, what? I don't know if that was actually Wait, real. Why did he have a hundred thousand? He frogs? just kept saying like I'm saving the frogs because there was some pollutant in the lake. I don't know how much of this <laughs> is actually accurate, but there was some kind of sensational story about a guy who was just scooping up frog eggs. Oh, and apparently was releasing hundreds of thousands of frogs into a like. A neighborhood or something like that. That could have been. I might have been duped. I ain't sure about that. <laughs> you guys, if you know what James is talking about, yeah. leave a comment on this Instagram. And... I don't think it was in America, but it also might not have happened. So <laughs> <laughs> it could have been just your dreams, oh, your man. haunted dreams. What kind of what kind of meaning does that have? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Frogs are very spiritual creatures. Are they? Oh yeah. What do they represent? I don't know, but I saw Naruto, and they were everywhere in there. <laughs> That's true. Wait, you're right. Okay, I just remembered this is a personal haunting. I should have started with this. Um, Tell me everything. My dog, Archer, he lives with my parents now, and it rained a bunch in Houston where they live, and there's been like a frog- like what do you call it like a plague <gasps> like just frogs maybe this these are the frogs that that guy released could be who knows frogs everywhere like the ground moves there's the smashed fuck? frogs all over the road like r- frogs fucking everywhere and my dad is like i was walking your dog at night and all we're just walking and he's kind of like looks at the frogs you know during the day but sort of leaves him alone and then we're walking and he just bends down and puts something in his mouth and just starts eating it huh. Like a piece of chicken. Sure. Right? And my dad's like, what? Is there a piece of chicken out here or something? <laughs> because no. the way that he just ate it was like as if he found a treat, you know? Oh, no. And and then my dad's like, mm, that's it's weird. But he's like kind of grimacing as he's eating it. Like <laughs> like you can tell he, he doesn't quite like the taste, uh-huh. but he's committed oh, to swallowing he? it. Oh, okay. And did so- he chew it up? 
he chewed it up. No, but he doesn't oh like my it. god! And and he swallows it. And my dad gets his fla- like his phone out and flashlight and kind of like looks in my dog's mouth yeah. and he's like, he ate a frog. Oh my god! And then <laughs> to make matters worse. Later that evening, he threw up the frog in the home. Well, that's good. Who knows? In the home. Who knows what that frog could have done in there? And so my dad didn't even tell me that story because it's like, you know, it's like just a whatever weird thing. But then it keeps happening. Oh, he keeps eating frogs. He keeps eating them. Okay. And and so now they like have- Does he keep throwing them up too? Yes. Oh, okay. And so- So now they have to like. <laughs> you think he'd learn, huh? They they like put a muzzle on him when he goes for walks no. because he just. I gotta get my daily fix of frogs. <laughs> and apparently, like they can be poisonous at times, or like yeah. they have bad chemicals and stuff in them. So my dad told me about it, and he's like, you know, I took your dog to the vet. Has he ever eaten frogs before? And I was like, no. Like he barely likes to eat his food. Maybe he's a secret witch and trying to cast a spell. We just don't know it yet. Like you guys, do dogs get dementia? Like that was <laughs> they, my first. They thought. have to, right? Right? Like, that was my first thought. That just humbled me. My mom's dog is is probably getting some of that. He can't see or nothing. (laughs) Poor thing. (laughs) His name is Winston, and he still sounds like an old butler in my head when I see him. He's mostly now just walking around, bumping into walls. Can't see a thing anywhere I go. (laughs) He seems to forget me most of the time. Oh, so they gotta have dementia. Some sort of senile situation, but yeah. that just reminded me of it. The frog spawn. I don't know why. <laughs> it's wild. If somebody else has some insight into what that means, let me know. Did my dog just go full like wild? Like, oh, now I don't have to be civilized anymore because my mom abandoned me and <laughs> my not age. looking at me. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> eat the wilderness. So in 1876, if people didn't understand something, they just sort of like moved on. There was a lot of shit they didn't understand. You know, and I'm they not just... here to disagree. <laughs> agree with that <laughs> they I just, think that's a good move they just lived with it they were like you know what rain falls from the sky sometimes we don't ask too many questions yeah. sometimes it doesn't and then there's uh you know the plants don't grow and people die and mm-hmm. and we don't ask questions either uh makes it all real confusing so mm-hmm. they just moved on and in this case it stood cold for about 150 years 150 years since 1876 You'd think there would be like a spring cleaning with records after a while and then be like, well, this story's maybe not pertinent. But like that stayed around for this long? That's wild. Yeah. Well, get Without this. Without being solved. That's crazy. Get this. In 2004, this <sighs> case was revisited when a sample was discovered from the Kentucky they meat shop. They still shower. had some meat? So there was this professor. He's also an artist. His name is Kurt Gody. He's a professor of art at Transylvania University. Bitchin'. By the way, this Transylvania University is in Lexington, Kentucky, not Transylvania. And Oh, okay. I know. It's a weird thing to call <laughs> your really university funny. if you're in Kentucky, oh, but man, okay. I was going to make a whole bunch of vampire jokes, but I guess not. So there's this teacher. He's in the university, and he had always known about the Kentucky meat shower, and he thought it was like really interesting. So he just was like in his day to day life talking to people about it. You know, it happened in Kentucky. And so he's like, so why haven't people heard of this? And everyone didn't know what he was talking about when he's talking about the Kentucky meat shower. So he just sort of stopped talking about it, which I. <laughs> That's I relate to this so right? much. Or you have like a special interest. You're like, I got to talk about this meat. And just eventually, you, can't, you know, I mean, I got to stop bringing up the meat shower at dinner. <laughs> it's so relatable if you listen to this podcast, because there's so much times where I'm like sitting in a conversation and someone 
will say something and I'm like, oh, don't say the first thought that comes to your mind oh that God. relates to that. Like This is a, this is a Gemini experience. Is it? <laughs> is it? Okay, so yeah. it has nothing to do with the podcast. It's just because I'm a Gemini. It's just because you're massively interesting. Right. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Everybody else is boring. I agree. <laughs> I could never know what I agree with or not. <laughs> just in general. I don't know what I agree with. I'm just like on a school bus passing through life. Like there's different streets and there's different buildings and they're all representative of the ideas and thoughts that are going around and I'm just like, wow, that's a nice house. Oh, I like how they did the garden there. Oh, that one's cool too. Oh, I never thought to put the mailbox that close to the door. You know what I mean? This will be a way of life people follow one day. You'll be the next but uh <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you. you know, like we have to follow Nat's guide of just pretending like you're in a bus as life passes by. So several decades pass by and then something crazy happens to Kurt. In 2004, he was cleaning out storage closets and he finds this old-timey glass jar with a cork stopper in it. And inside the jar appears to be a chunk of white, fatty-looking meat preserved in some sort of yellow liquid. The label was faded and it was almost impossible to read, but there was a tiny portion of the label that was still legible and it read Olympia Springs, which is where the meat shower took place. Wow. I can't believe it survived. Here is a photo of that sample that was found. Oh my God. If you want to describe that to our visually impaired listeners. And if you guys want to see any of these images, you can go to at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram. It's a bottle that's sort of something Link would carry around in Zelda. Right. It's like very potion-esque. Very much so. And there is a um, a very sincerely piss-tinted liquid <laughs> surrounding what appears to be, you know, it could be chicken of the sea uh, or could not be. And the, the label is really, I kind of dig this. Something about like a, a washed around label like this. Right. It feels very like pirate core. Right. I really is. dig this. It's, it's Yeah, you can't, I couldn't read it this. It would definitely be on the Black Pearl. Oh, it's bitching. It's really cool. I'm shocked that this survived. I know. My first instinct was like, is it fake? Like, did he plant it there? Like, there's mm-hmm. how could this perfect thing exist? But, Can you imagine the stench? Well, whatever it's in preserved in, I, I guess, like, is trying to preserve it. But it turns out that Transylvania University was founded in 1780. And it was actually the first university in Kentucky. So it's likely that at that time when everyone was like, oh my gosh, what happened? And they sent out all of these samples to different labs, that one of these samples was sent to Transylvania University that's actually in Lexington, Kentucky. (laughs) And uh, then they were just left in the back of these storage cabinets, like just unseen for decades until Kurt rediscovered them. I'm like, can you imagine what else was in that closet? If that's in there, what else? What else was more recently put in there? Like, I'm, I would love to see that shit. There must be some real fun stuff in those, in in like colleges all over America in the deep, deep back well of, of the basement. I would love to root around an old college like that. Even just to like see, I don't know, like stuff from like the 70s. Yeah. Like is there like a calculator I can, you know what I mean? Something For like sure. that. Yeah, an abacus. I, I want to I see all that stuff. I yeah. love, I love old. Human core. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> like those stories about people finding. A purse that fell behind a locker from the 50s oh or something. Oh my God. Yeah. Or, yeah. or like the there was one story I, I read where there was like a dog that was discovered that had been preserved and it was with a bone that 
that was that would have been deeply important to the community that it was from, but they buried it with its favorite bone that they gave to the dog. Okay, because, that was way darker than I was thinking. Oh, but it's like that kind of stuff where it's like this is a, a, a record of humanity kind of right. being cute and loving things. I yes. love stuff like that. Yeah. This is a little different. <laughs> <laughs> So with the discovery of this old jar, the investigation was opened back up. So this newfound interest in the case led to the discovery of several Victorian era theories for the meat. One of the 1876 theories was that the meat was Gnostic, which is a type of bacteria that looks like clumps of meat if it gets exposed to moisture. Oh. How that would have worked, I don't know. You know, maybe there was like a windstorm that picked up some of this bacteria and then it was in the sky and then... And um, it fell down. But that doesn't really explain why it sm- uh, smelled like meat when they burned it. Yeah, Don't know. that's true. I also... It's probably heavy like meat, right? Like this yeah. sounds like, would it have the density of meat? I don't know because I haven't felt that Gnostic, whatever whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but modern lab tests confirmed that this sample was muscle, lung, and cartilage. So we know now oh, that it's meat for It's sure. for sure meat. Yes. Yeah, that is some meat. Yeah. There was another theory from 1876 that two brothers had gotten into a knife fight and then a twister picked up the carnage of their remains that is and one hell of a thorough knife fight yeah that's what i was thinking is like how could that like how would you like literally like paper shred each a twister. other up <laughs> a, twister. a twister a twister just Kentucky. showed up picked the meat up and threw it all over this woman that's or, or something the sky was clear though but i also brothers like why would brothers get into a knife fight Yeah, like, why did they say that is there <laughs> is there a record of brothers who had who disappeared and <laughs> I don't know. that's a hell of a headcanon that some stranger came up with for this meat i think they just wanted to be relevant they were like i really want my name to survive until 2004 and so if i can just come up with like the most that's the coattail i gotta jump on yeah this 1876 meat shower is like the only <laughs> thing i have going on in my life <laughs> There was a humorist at the time who was named William Livingston Alden, and he wrote, quote, The obvious conclusion is that the Kentucky shower of meat was really a meteoric shower. And the obvious conclusion? He wrote in a New York Times article that was published on March 11th, 1876, that because meteoric stones revolved around the sun, there could also be something that, quote, revolves about the sun, a belt of venison, mutton, and other meats, divided <laughs> into small fragments, which are precipitated about the earth. Okay. End quote. <laughs> Hey, why not shoot for the stars? It could be. It could be. You I don't know better. We haven't explored every inch of the universe. No. Could there be uh, rings? I'm no expert. Yeah, rotating around some sort of planet outside of our solar system that mm-hmm. have chunks of meat. The moon's made of cheese. There's food up there. <laughs> there was another theory that the meat shower was, quote, inhabitants who formerly occupied a wrecked planet. End quote. What? So it would be like if Is this the same person? I would love it just one guy who's like, okay, two brothers fought with knives. <laughs> Gotta be what happened. No. <laughs> Space meat. Hang on. I got more. <laughs> right. I yeah, I don't know in that case. I guess because they didn't know that like when stuff enters the Earth's atmosphere, it burns up. But maybe sure. if it was really big chunks of meat, then it just like burned up into these tiny chunks by the time it got to the bottom you know i don't know better (laughs) anything's possible there were articles published in the louisville medical news and the american journal of microscopy in 1876 that hypothesized the meat shower was a result of vomiting vultures (gasps) Ooh, that one's ooh. 
Okay. According to the articles, quote, Kentucky is home <laughs> to turkey vultures that gorge themselves on carrion, limiting their ability to fly. If spooked, the birds need to immediately take flight and lighten their load by regurgitating their last meal. No way. End quote. The articles also allude that it could be possible that the vultures had fed on sheep that were treated with strychnine, which is a poison used to target coyotes. Oh. And then the vultures like vomited up the sheep because it was poisoned meat with. And then that's why people are like, well, it looks like mutton, but it has a strange smell to it. That checks out. Does it? I don't know anything about. I didn't even know a mutton was. That could a be just as plausible meat. as space meat. I don't know, but like when I think of the cartoon of how this would play out, that one is uh, well, the most logical to me. So that's the one that most people are like, okay, yeah, that that makes sense, and that's the one that majority of people just land on, and they're like, that's probably what happened. It's really funny to picture like thirteen vultures all vomiting midair at the same time. Ew! Can you imagine the sound? She would have heard that. It wouldn't have been just thump thump. That's <laughs> That's true. Ah! <laughs> That's right. You're yeah. right. Because that would be some sort of noise. Unless they, they Nobody's were ever quiet. silently vomited. So people are like, okay, it's probably just turkey vultures and they move on. Right, and, right. and so after reading all of this old timey science, Kurt, the guy who discovered this old timey jar, the sample, the art teacher, sure. he gets super excited and he sends this sample to the biology department at the school, modern 2004 people, to figure out exactly what it was. But the sample was too old to be conclusive on exactly what it was. They couldn't tell what type of meat it was. They couldn't tell if it was mutton, venison, beef, or even human, but they could tell that it was meat. So Kurt, being an artist, he decides to get creative. Now, here is where things take a turn no one could have ever expected. He decides to have a taste lab in Cincinnati <sighs> extract the flavor compounds from the sample and recreate the taste of the sample of meat from the Kentucky meat shower. And then he turns <sighs> that taste into jelly beans and he goes to this huge festival in Kentucky and he has strangers taste the jelly beans and tell researchers what they think it tastes like. Did they know that this was meat? I think I you know what? I, I, I wasn't quite sure on that. So I was able to get into contact with Kurt. Luckily he's gonna give me an interview. I'm so excited. Kurt Godey is the professor of art and program director of art and art history at Transylvania University in Lexington, Kentucky. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. Yes, and I was reading just some of your bio and all of these different art installations you've done where you had participants get tattoos and just all kinds of stuff. Obviously, the jelly bean experiment is what we were talking about on the podcast. So I'm just going to bombard you with questions. If it's too much, let me know. In the article, it mentions that you had already heard about the Kentucky Meat Shower of 1876, and you were interested in it, and you asked people about it, and no one knew about it. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got introduced to this and the reaction you had from people when you would bring it up? Because the article just kind of like stops there. <laughs> yeah, so I um, I moved to Lexington from upstate New York. And before I moved here, I was I started to collect books. Um, well, really any inexpensive book on unusual things from this uh, newspaper bookseller called Edward R. Hamilton. And they sold a book on unusual weather phenomenon one time. And I when I was packing up to move to Kentucky, 
as I was packing up books, I looked uh, in the index for anything that said Kentucky. And so I knew of a handful of um, really what I thought were very interesting things about Kentucky. And one of them was the meat rain of 1876 um, before coming from these books. And I just put them in a special stack of things to learn more about. Or, you know, I probably I knew I probably wouldn't really look into them very much, but um, that one and a few other ones stuck with me. And Really, anything that made that into those books back in that time that were sold at half price place or bargain places, uh, nobody knew about it. So nobody knew about the meat rain. Nobody knew about a Pasolinic telegraph or the world's largest crucifix or all of these things that I kind of searched for. But that, that's where it started. It was this book called Unusual Weather Phenomenon. It's got a picture on the cover of frogs raining. Yeah, we've we've briefly discussed animal rain on the podcast before as like theories for supernatural phenomenon. But the meat shower of 1876, as as I've been researching it, is different because it's it's like literal pieces of meat where there's been animals that have rained from the sky. Like you said, frogs, we've seen jellyfish, we've seen fish, we've seen all kinds of critters and things picked up and put down. But this was like literally pieces of meat. So I, I feel like it's more mysterious. My next question that I just have to know is how did you find this jar? So you were cleaning storage cabinets. I'm trying to think of like what does an office space where there's 150 year old sample of meat shower, like what does that look like? How did it get to that place and how did it not get discovered for so long? Yeah, I teach photography uh, and sculpture. And early on in the world of digital photography, I decided I would help the university. The Transylvania University is really old. It was yes. founded, when was it founded? 1780. Yeah, it's the 13th oldest college in the country. As a result, it has a, a long history and a lot of closets full of historical things. And the reason closets were full of historical things was that though the university was founded in 1780, there are no rivers in the city of Lexington, and there are no, there were no big hospitals. So the, we were training medical students, but they couldn't, they had no access to cadavers. So that was the problem with the hospitals and the rivers made it hard for students from other states to get here, but we were educating doctors from all the surrounding states. And at some point, other universities that you've heard more about, like University of Tennessee and University of Cincinnati, and were opened by Transylvania grads that decided they didn't want students from those states to learn to be doctors in Kentucky anymore. And also mm -hmm. they had rivers and hospitals, so they had access to things we didn't. So as a result, um, the medical school at Transylvania closed up and stuff was just put in closets for many, many years. That collection of stuff is a collection of uh, medical teaching aids that the Smithsonian still comes to do research on because everyone else that had this stuff uh, continued to use it until it kind of fell apart. And we mm -hmm. didn't because we closed. So we had these um, closets full of things. And I was taking pictures of old portraits, really kind of really boring and horrible portraits of, of old white men that taught at Transy throughout history. <laughs> but we didn't have any good pictures of them and people were doing research. So I was just going through closets where they were stored. And um, this was one of the the things that I found. And when I first found it, you know, I, I had been t telling students about the meat rain with a very specific sort of pattern of telling them for years. And so it was never really far from my mind. And when I first found it, of course, I was uh, mostly just hopeful. I was also a little bit nervous because another colleague who teaches in physics had recently found a dissectable Venus, a medical Venus, which is um, they were made at La Specula in Italy. Um, they were basically a wax model made from like 200 to 300 different cadavers that um, you could 
dissect and pull out different organs as a teaching aid. And La Specula believed that none of them had ever left the country of Italy, but Transylvania, um, in order to continue to get students, even though we didn't have a river, purchased mm -hmm. these really amazing things. So I had a colleague who had told me that he found our medical Venus by reaching up on a shelf and like pulling it down. And then he was face to face with this like pretty grotesque thing to begin with. Right. It was more, more grotesque because it had been in a fire at some point. So, so anyways, I was always a little bit anxious going through these old closets and super excited when I found this. Well, oh, wow. I kept waiting for you to say, oh, I was apprehensive because I thought he found this and then it ended up to be fake or something like that. But you were apprehensive because you were scared of running into strange things in the closet from the 1800s. He pulled that down. He said he said it was frightening to find it. It's a beautiful thing. I don't think it's frightening. It's a real cadaver, like like no, no, it's no. made from pieces of cadavers that have been. So Michelangelo worked uh, at this place called the La Specula. And what they did was they would make dissectable full body cadavers. And the way they did them was they would, as a person passed away, they would take out, say, that person's liver and make a wax mold of their liver. But the body would decompose so quickly that they could only do one or two organs from each body. So okay. then to make a full dissectable cadaver, it would take hundreds of um, bodies. Right. They're very, they're beautiful and very realistic. And if you look up medical venuses, you'll see. And in La Specula, they have like long flowing hair. Oh, wow. I had heard lots of stories of things he found. He also found a box of penises that had been kind of preserved in a way what? that... Um, they, they were pumped full of wax. And the way that he tells the story is that it would make sense that uh, the people who were pumping these penises full of wax to preserve them were men. And so uh, when you pump them, they can expand and they made them unusually large. And so oh. he found that box of four <laughs> penises with um, a work study student um, right. who he had to like try to um, you know talk off the edge because she had just opened this box of <laughs> very large members. <laughs> wow. So there are things that at the time, now all the closets have been gone through, but at the time there were things that were really dicey to find. But the jar of meat wasn't dicey. It was just uh, <laughs> exciting. <laughs> well, in comparison, no. That is fascinating. You know, on the podcast, like the very first part of this episode, I was just researching 1876 because I was interested. You know, what was the technology? Like then did they have flushing toilets? Because I'm always really interested in like hygiene and stuff like that. And it was like a very strange time where they were sort of on the precipice of modern sanitary medical stuff. You know, they were so close, but it was still like this really strange period where they were painting their toilets, like colorful motifs and things like that. So this is very interesting to find out like what science was at the time you know a lot of it was wrong but they were still really trying you know I frequently say there was very little difference between science and parlor tricks at mm -hmm. the time so you know they would have these things that they would show their students and it would be now we say like okay that is maybe it's optics but it's not really useful science to learn from. In terms of what's happening around the same time, there was a doctor that taught at Transy. His name was uh, Dudley, Dr. Dudley, who still um, by today's standards has one of the highest rates of historical success for surgeries without people dying. Oh, wow. Because he won, he became very, very fast at one specific surgery that he performed a lot, which was removing bladder stones. And in Kentucky, there are a lot of bladder stones because of the limestone in the water which is the same thing that this is information that probably is not real interesting but no, limestone in the water is what makes bourbon um from kentucky it's also what makes horse bones strong it also causes bladder stones in people and so oh. dr dudley perfected this technique to extract bladder stones from people 
And the reason that so few people were killed during his surgeries, because a lot of people died then, and some people, not clearly as many percentage-wise, still die now today in surgeries. Um, but the reason he was so successful was because he invented this new form of um, sterilizing equipment, which was, uh, he just washed it. <laughs> so, so in terms of like where we were in terms of science, he became nationally known because he invented um, washing your tools with water. After oh you. my God. To think that they were performing surgeries and not washing any of the tools between, like just, oh, this is in like encrusted goop and blood and guts and I'm just going to use it again. I mean, I can understand because I'm one of those people who's like, why should I make the bed? It's just going to get dirty again. So maybe it was like that kind of idea. But yes, that is fascinating. We need to do a whole episode on Transylvania University because first of all, the name is haunted, but then also... It's such an old university, so much history there. I'm sure it's full of ghosts. My next question for you is, so you find this meat sample and then you get the flavor profile from it, which is just just brilliant. I'm really glad that you found this and were able to uh, continue researching your passion and the universe was just sending you all these signs. You know what? You're going to be the meat shower guy. And then you turn it into to jelly beans. Was this like more of an art kind of fascination? You were like, oh, you know, it would be a really cool like installation type thing or like interactive art piece would be to recreate this meat rain in the form of jelly beans and have strangers taste it. Or was it really more of like a pursuit of like, I have to know, was this mutton? Was this beef? Where, where did that come from? It was definitely part of an ongoing artwork. So there are things that I have done with that sample that, that certainly are more like science and trying to know, but it doesn't bother me that people don't know. And I, I prefer in many situations, uh, a life where wonder is okay, rather mm -hmm. than trying to science everything away. I love that. But for the jelly beans, um, that was really part of a, a larger exhibition. I was creating an exhibition called um, the Arthur Bird Cabinet of Curiosities at the time. And that was a collection of different historical artifacts from Transylvania, because we have a lot of really interesting and kind of bizarre things because of what was happening at the time in, in medicine and science. Mm -hmm. But so as a way to make the display of the jar of meat rain a bigger thing for that exhibition, I wanted to find a way to get people to taste it. Uh, so then I could have a video alongside of the jar of meat rain with people who would declare what they thought it was. Um, so I just videotaped them and while well, they ate these horrible, horrible jelly beans. Did you ever eat the, the jelly bean? Did you try it? Yeah, it was terrible. Did it taste like chemicals? Did it just taste like rancid? Was it an acquired taste? I tasted mostly chemical, just like pure <laughs> chemical uh, with a little bit of sugar flavor is all I tasted. Supposedly, the taste lab, you know, they were able to extract the taste of formaldehyde, right? So they could basically do cumulative, additive, and subtractive flavor profiling. So they would get the flavor profile of the actual thing, subtract the profile of formaldehyde, and then they get what supposedly the meat tasted like. Mm -hmm. And I went to a place that's called Court Days. Have you ever heard of Court Days? Is it is it like a Ren Faire type thing? It's somewhat similar, although um, it, it's more, it's, a, it's something that never ended. And I think probably a lot of states did this, where mm -hmm. the smaller communities whoever was tried for whatever crime, um, if you don't have enough people like judges and everything to be open all the time, 
then for one week of the year, there would be court days. And then all of the criminals would come to town and be tried during that time. And everyone else came to town too. And like- Just watched? Yeah, it was like a fair. <laughs> right, like a fair of people getting sentenced to their deaths perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in Kentucky, there are three or four places that still have court days. It's, it has nothing to do with the trials anymore. It's just the rest of it. And so what the rest of it is in Mount Sterling, Kentucky, is um, if you if you happen to have, say, a broken dishwasher and what you want is a, um, I don't know, a wood splitting, a wood splitter, then you could go to court days with your broken dishwasher and put a sign on it and say, we'll trade for a wood splitter. And maybe someone would trade you. Oh, wow. But it's also a place where people... Um, if you have an old gun or a new gun, a gun of any sort, uh, and you want to sell it, you just carry it around on your shoulder with it at the very top of it, just a price tag for what you're willing to sell this gun for. And then it's just like... Wait, still? Like there's people just walking around with guns on their back with price tags? Yeah. Anyways, it's also like a county fair. So there's, you know, deep fried Oreos and elephant ears and all, all that sort of stuff. And so I wanted to go there and have people sample it there. Cause I figured if anyone uh, would do this with me and for me and, and taste this meat rain, it would be people at court days. Yeah, they sound pretty open. <laughs> yeah. So I went with a, a good friend of mine who's an artist who actually grew up near Mount Sterling where the court days mm -hmm. are. And I would basically tell the story. He would ask people to eat the jelly bean and they would always, that like they wouldn't, if I asked, they would never eat it. But when right. he asked, his name was Ben, he asked, they usually would say, I'll eat one if you'll eat one. And it was like a, a challenge thing. But anyways, by, by the end, Ben was, we stopped because Ben felt so sick. Oh, because he had to eat all Every the time someone ate one, he had to eat one. Wow. So you didn't offer people any money for this or anything out of like Kentucky pride? They were just like, okay. Yeah. The people that were really the, the most fun, there's this one booth at court days where uh, they have like six or seven vats of, of deep fry oil. And they don't, they don't have any food. They will deep fry whatever food you bring to them. And they just think of themselves as like um, deep fry experts. So if you oh. bring them, I don't know, um, ham, they know that it goes in this oil. Or if you bring them a pickle, they know it goes in this oil. So they were really the best because they were like all challenging each other, like who could be the most accurate with their taste of it oh, wow that's fascinating that's you know just so so bold I, I really love that kind of approach to life uh you took it like a step further and then something that you mentioned in the email to me is that I don't know if this was sarcasm or not but you mentioned that you were planning <laughs> to seed the rain to make it rain meat once again can you tell me a little bit more about that yeah that's not sarcasm I actually had planned to do it years ago, there was a period of about 10 years when I, along with a creative partner, uh, Kermana Todorova, and you, if you look, found me on the internet, you found her name as well. Mm -hmm. When the two of us became um, really busy and people from different uh, states and cities would invite us to make artwork there. And that was awesome and great. But it also um, meant that I was too busy to to make it rain me when I initially planned her. <laughs> um, and so I still plan to do it. Um, now, um, my plan is actually to do it on the 151st anniversary, which will be, I forget what the year is, but whatever whatever that math is, it's like three or four years from now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's coming up soon. Okay. So forgive me if I sound uh, just uneducated, but 
isn't seeding the rain like difficult? And so just you don't have to give me your proprietary information because I'm sure there's a lot that comes with this. But I know the original meat shower was like 100 yards long and 50 yards wide about approximately. Are you planning to make it rain like that large of a space? and Larger. Larger. Okay. So the only thing I know about making it rain, like seeding the rain, is that back in the 1800s, there was actually like this, um, I guess you would call him a crook. Like a, a yeah. crook that went was around. Fair. That was fair. Yes, t- telling people that he could make it rain, and then he just like made a bunch of explosions in the sky. Like he tried to uh, like blow up the clouds so that they would release their uh, condensation into rain. Is but he it- died so rich that <laughs> because the I think was it San Francisco? There was a big you know city. What I'm talking about right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a there was a big city that he based that they were in a drought. I don't know if it was San Francisco, it was a California city. And he said, um, I promise I'll, I'll make it rain. It turns out he probably understood the El, what we know now of as the El Nino, Nino weather pattern. Right. And so it rained so much when they commissioned him <laughs> that they actually um, took him. I don't know if they took him to court, but they basically said, we can't pay you because now it's rained too much. <laughs> now the crops are ruined. Yeah. Yeah. And it just rained so much. Um, but yeah, he ended up dying a very uh, wealthy crook. Right. So is this going to be like a similar situation? Like, what do you have to gain from this is what I'm wondering, first of all. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's a good question. It's different from from the the technical how I'll do it. And I'm I'm happy to share that, too. What do I have to gain? I, this is a very small town, Olympia Springs, Kentucky. If you were to go there, the Crouch family, which is they own the farm where the uh, rain yeah. initially fell, um, there are still Crouches in town, and there's oh, only wow. one store in town, and it's the Crouch General Store. Um, and it's just a very small community that um, it grew uh, when there was a cholera epidemic in Lexington, and people didn't know what was causing cholera, so they fled to different places, mm-hmm. including Olympia Springs, because there there was spring water, and they figured that that would save them from cholera. Mm-hmm. And then um, it shrunk again, but it's always small. And um, I'm from a small town in upstate New York, and I uh, love the idea of making a story that this town kind of knows even the people who live there don't really know the story that well but a story that this town kind of knows i love the idea of of making an event that brings attention to the town and to their history in such a way that you know all the kids who are currently any place between fourth grade and 12th grade will remember it and uh, hopefully be part of it that's awesome yeah i didn't mean to be um sensationalist by saying what do you have to gain Uh, i won't become (laughs) as rich as that other man right i wondered i wondered perhaps if there was something beyond like curiosity essentially and it sounds like there is uh that's really cool that the town is essentially just the same way that it was perhaps hundreds of years ago with the same people or descendants of those people. It's like a full circle. Briefly, if you could tell me just a little bit about how you're planning to seed the rain. Yeah, I'll just talk fast. My initial plan years ago was that I was going to have all the school children in Olympia Springs uh, with a helium balloon and a a piece of beef jerky and it goes up in the air and it would be tracked and then it would spread. uh, It would really spread. But since that time, I've become aware and the world's become aware of the problems of helium balloons and birds and food waste and and all of that. Mm. 
and that would cause as much negative publicity as it would interest. I, okay. I would yeah. And so now um, I'm working with a, a few different people who are bi, who are biplane pilots, and they're just going to um, pour barrels full of, of beef jerky off the side of their plane, all which will have um, what are called samaras, which are um, kind of the, the feathers on maple leaves. Oh. Um, and I'll work with the school children to design those so that each piece will come down and, and spin like a maple leaf and spread over a, a very large area. Wow. Some of them will have cash prizes attached to them, which will cause then everyone to want to find it all so there won't be wasted meat. This is brilliant. This is brilliant. I'm really, really impressed. This is a very thoughtful approach. Just all around fascinating. Um, I'm really nervous about the people who have agreed to dump barrels of meat off the plane, to be honest, because <laughs> I've never been in a biplane, but that seems like a really risky thing to do. You know what? The most I know about biplanes is like from the Peanuts, where like Snoopy would fly in it. So to me, anything really seems possible to do out of a biplane. But I feel like that's a really thoughtful approach that you have there, especially with the cash prizes. So everyone will find the pieces of meat. I mean, we're we're very very impressed by you and I think all of our listeners are gonna be like really impressed with this too I think this is just a fascinating story thank you so much for sharing it with us is there any way like if we wanted to be a part of this that's going on in a few years could we just like show up or how does that work I don't know yet but yeah. the answer to the first part is yes, you could actually absolutely show up. Okay. And I will certainly um, share more with you as I know more. Um, but yeah, I would like for it to become, you know, something that that brings attention and people to the community. And, you know, like I said before, even the school kids there now don't really know the story. So if if they know that there is a story and that people are coming from different parts of the country to to see it, that would be fantastic. Well, Plus, you could get you could get meat and maybe win two hundred dollars. We could all use two hundred dollars. Well, we're running out of time, so I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on to the show. <laughs> yes, thank you. So you listened to the interview or watched it, I suppose. What do you What do you make of all of that, James? I that is a deeply fascinating person, right? I want everything to do with what that guy's up to. I want to follow him around with a camera. Like this he's he's doing shit that YouTubers do, but like in private and and for like isolated audiences, you know? Like it's really wild all these exper experiments he was talking about and all these different things he's he's interacting with. I loved it. I know. I know. And I I love that he had such cool random stories about this yeah. like super old university he works at. It's so strange. It sounds like a little like a little pocket of of high strangeness in the middle of the South over there. It's so funny, and especially with it being named Transylvania University. It's like, what a perfect little a vortex of strangeness over there. I love it. Did you ever look at what a picture of a um, anatomical Venus is? I meant to do this because he was describing it, and I I was I was like listening okay, to it while I was it. driving, so I wanted to get I wanted to get into this. Hold on, let me find. You it. should Google it. Everyone who's listening to this, I'll put a picture of one of them on the photo dump on Instagram at Let's Get Haunted. It's really crazy. It looks like the Venus de Milo. You know, mm -hmm. the, that famous painting or whatever it's called. Oh, my God. <gasps> but then it's it's got all these organs and stuff. Oh, this is this is debilitatingly spooky. It's weird. <laughs> it's very oh. weird. <laughs> like how important, you know, we need it. You know, I'm sure this is health, healthy for, for doctors to have in reference. And it probably like brought us ahead in science. But, you know, I could have I could have done without seeing that my whole life. 
It was interesting, too, how he was talking about at the time, like this doctor that went to their university became this sort of world renowned surgeon who had this really great track record of keeping his patients alive. And his like groundbreaking thing that he did was just washing the instruments between surgeries like on patients. I got chills when I heard that shit. I, it was I was trying to figure out like what I mean, it seems obvious, I suppose. But I was like, man, what the fuck was this guy on? But it was just soap. Maybe it wasn't even soap, was it? Because he didn't, I, I was remember listening for it. He didn't like reference soap. He said water. When cleaning the instruments, he only oh, said water. Right. He's just like, he washed them. I don't know if that means he just gave them a quick rinse or yeah, if he even like used soap and water. I have no idea. But Wild. to think to think that people were just not washing them at all in between is, yeah, in surgery. It's crazy. No. The other thing he, he said that I thought was, um, interesting was the water in kentucky having this high content of right like, is it is it calcium or something from the the, the Did stone? He say zinc or something yeah or, or no limestone right but it would be whatever causes kidney stones so is that calcium i don't know you know Who it knows? doesn't matter the yeah. point is is that it makes the horses there strong and then that's what i that, heard <laughs> yeah and there's such a big industry in kentucky for horse racing that uh, this was actually this was something I was going to talk I was going to ask about I was like is this a thing because of all the the strong horse water in Kentucky like are the horses from there known Yeah yeah I mean that it's like horse country out there and um the best wow. horse vet in our country the Rude and Riddle Clinic is in Kentucky I believe and wow. um America's I know Rohan. that <laughs> It's like the horse mecca kind of Kentucky wow, that's, that's obviously where Kentucky Derby is too um that's where a lot of horse stuff goes down and a lot of horses are retired there there's like a lot of big facilities that retire racehorses in kentucky as well well see i just pictured a whole retiree neighborhood full of horses like <laughs> hanging out on front porches with glasses of sweet tea gossiping about their neighbors yeah. <laughs> retired okay. horses is such a fun idea for a tv show that really does <laughs> sound nice i was kind of embarrassed though like after i had this conversation with kurt and i was like wow he's so worldly and put together and and smart and kind and charismatic and magnetic and interesting and uh, deep and, and just like ev like like everything like he's like a fully formed person. I was like, um, I'm embarrassed for him to like hear the beginning of this podcast where <laughs> where we're just like being trying dumb. our best, yeah, <laughs> giving a hundred percent the whole way through. <laughs> he's such a nice nice person, and yeah, I also felt bad because when we were doing the interview, I would just like blurt out the first thing I thought, which was like, "What do you have to gain from this?" And then like as he starts talking, I was like, <laughs> "That cracked me up." Fucking say that. Why did I say that? But like I was thinking about that. So true though. Like what was he? Why was this? I mean, we did ask about this. Like why why was this the thing that his subconscious was like? I gotta know more about this. Well, it's just a lot of work. Yeah, you know, it's like a lot of work. It's a lot of effort to put into something. And so in my mind, I'm like, there's got to be something beyond that. Because like you said, we're so used to influencers or YouTubers coming up with these kind of like greater ideas that take a lot of effort and, and work, but they're doing it for personal gain. Like they're doing it mm -hmm. because they want to put out good content so that they'll get more followers, they'll get more views or whatever, where I feel like Kurt, he just wants to connect with the community. Yeah, it's it's almost sad how cool it was to finally see somebody driven by love and passion 
in mm-hmm. life, you know, not desperation <laughs> or angst or revenge. <laughs> right. It was it was right. really kind of beautiful. I was just listening to him. I was like, man, if I if I could only clean the house as passionately as this guy does his job, I would be the most effortlessly spotless person of town. It's it's such it's such a a wild thing listening to him. And he's so he's he's clearly got other stuff that he could talk about that like this is just one of the side things. Right. Like, that's what when I was hearing him, I was like, oh, the, I thought this was like I, I didn't realize how how big of a uh, big of a, a library of activities he was up to in his life. Like this is just a footnote. It's really interesting. I know. He's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. That was a cool get. Really good job. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. You know what? I really didn't expect it to work. Like I said, I just kind of like happened on this whole story because I was researching something else and I usually take more time to research something. But I just, you know, my ADHD got the better of me. Someone said something. I think it was on Reddit or Discord about the Kentucky meat shower. And before I knew it, I was down that rabbit hole and it was the only thing I could think about. And in some ways, you know, perhaps it was meant to be. I don't know. I don't know. I believe it. Yeah. That this felt like this. This felt like exactly what I needed this weekend, too. That was I've been I've been just like all a Twitter about it since we talked. It's, It's been really fun to think about. Which what do you think happened? Like what theory do you think is most plausible? You know, I was really hoping to I was really excited to hear what Kurt said about how it tasted. But it sounded like they put sugar in the jelly bean. Because he said he only tasted chemicals and sugar uh, when he ate it. That was an interesting choice on their part. <laughs> I don't know if that was just necessary for the sake of having a bean. But right. <laughs> I was hoping right. he could actually discern a personal opinion about it, which would have answered, like, maybe an origin. But I don't know. I kind of I kind of feel like maybe there was an explosion near near some people or, like, <laughs> I don't know. There had to have been something that launched it off the ground. I, I, the turkey, I can't get over the like vulture idea. Like that makes the most sense. But it's, it is kind of, it is a little bit absurd to picture all those turkey just throwing up at the same time over, over that huge area. There's no way that it was just one, one vulture. No, it would situation. have to be the whole herd of them. And apparently, yeah. like I, I did a quick Google search and it says that if one of the vultures throws up, it like activates the rest of them. Like they all just start throwing up. Shut like, up. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So well, never mind. Maybe. See, I'm back on vulture train. That makes most sense. But OK, maybe it's different in Kentucky. Someone who lives on a lot of land. Tell me, do these vultures like do they hang out in groups of 20? Because whenever I see them here in Georgia, it's like two or three of them and they're eating a dead possum on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I can't picture like a flock of them. I don't know a lot about it. I just, I just can't. I can't picture another another way for me to get in the air. How would it? What do you What do you think? Has your conclusion become more nuanced as you sat on this? You know what? I am just stuck thinking about Kurt and his life, and yeah. <laughs> I feel like this episode was just like to make us all realize that we need to do a better job of living. Well, he, <laughs> man, and then in the end, when he revealed what seeding the rain meant. I was right. I was so it was so I was so warm inside. I was like, this is a very it's a very precious idea to get everybody together and hopefully not pollute things too. He was so conscious about it. It was really really impressive. I, I like that idea. I want to go to that little fair or whatever it is. Oh, the in court four years days. Or, 
Yeah. Or not not court days, but like when he finally wants to see the oh. rain. He said it would be in like 2027 or something, right? Yes. Yes. I want to go too. Put that on the haunty calendar. That's got to yes. be a, a group event. That is going to be our next Area 51. Oh, did you want to address your cabbage patch? <laughs> Jamie, okay, you guys, Jamie texted me today and left a voice message and was like, hey, something terrible has happened. I realized that in the beginning when I was talking about Babyland and Cabbage Patch and the cult-like existence of this man named Xander that I had his name wrong and his name is actually Xavier and I feel like I should go back through and dub it over or change it and and I was like you know that's fine it's okay we'll just say you know you said his name wrong and he's like I don't know what Xavier is capable of do you still feel that way (laughs) yeah I do I'm glad we addressed this I didn't want him coming after me although you know I was thinking about this it's possible that he would prefer to stay silent so maybe we've oh. just put him in the spotlight again regardless i'm posting i'm going to give you those pictures we took of the wall with all the signatures so you can post it so people can see yes it's crazy what has this man been up to he's been in so many rooms i i can't fathom fathom the hallways on the way there yeah. but uh no thank you so much for for letting me come on this is this is really funny. I, I haven't been I haven't stopped thinking about it. I know. It's um it's so random and it's so it's so great. But uh, to get I guess to answer your question because I don't want to just completely cop out. I feel like the turkey vulture thing it just isn't doing it for me. You don't like that. Uh, no. I I like the idea that there was a wrecked planet and um with just like giant like astronomical size pieces meat. And they were in deep space, so they were super frozen hard, like harder than than we can comprehend. The hardest material yeah, on yeah. Earth is not mm-hmm. as hard as these pieces of meat that are out there in the solar system from when giants uh, created this whole thing in the Big Bang when they were playing chess yeah, or they whatever. Did. Preach it. And unfortunately, they got to the end of the simulation and hit some sort of uh, firewall, literally, and it just exploded them. And then they were flying at such a high speed through the universe that when they came through the Earth's atmosphere, it, it almost burned them up to a crisp. Yeah. So much so that really all that was left was like a hundred yard by 50 yard piece of land just covered in chunks of what what earthlings might refer to as as mutton but really we don't know what it is so that's that to me that's what christmas means to me (laughs) you know in that in that story we really we really got robbed of a lot more meat i know i know they could have it's a damn shame but if it had been any more meat i it would have like incinerated our entire existence so in some ways it was just like a miracle we got lucky it was a christmas miracle in the butterfly effect here we are and then you know four-ish years or however long from now we'll have like probably about twenty thousand people uh that's probably the the size of the haunty audience by then in person uh everybody's showing up we'll have to rent out a convention center but we'll we'll rain meat down all over all over that it'll be a fun time kurt's gonna like change his name and have to like move away to because he's gonna be like i don't want these weird people coming to this i'm holding him to this he (laughs) promised me a meat shower i'm getting a meat shower he's not gonna break this promise to me i need me a meat shower i refuse to die before then i will survive to see a meat shower kurt you didn't realize what you signed up for us a blood contract (laughs) james thanks so much for coming on the podcast and would you like to do our sign off could actually real quick could i shout out my roommate's album she just released it and i'm super proud of her sure her name is is sb 
in the if you look her up on Spotify, it's E S S B E E, and her music's really great. I'm really super proud of her, and I just oh wanted God. to kind of. She just released it recently, uh, oh, and I congrats. just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, I'm really proud of it. Uh, proud of her. It's super cool. But anyway, oh, that's awesome. Uh, Brb, gotta go open a box and find a bunch of inflatable penises. <laughs> Bye. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.